everyone. Welcome to the Daily Illini uh, Sports Broadcast. My name is Carson Gordy, and I'm here with Jesse Temple of The Athletic. He covers Wisconsin Badger football. Hey, thanks for coming on, Jesse. Thanks for having me on, Carson. You know, um, this week, it's Brett Bielema's big return to uh, Wisconsin-Madison. Have you heard anything from Badgers fans, or is Brett Bielema kind of like in the past? Yeah, I just wrote a story about this, actually. And what I wrote is that he's got a bit of a complicated legacy at Wisconsin. If it's strictly from an on-field perspective, he did an awful lot to elevate this program and keep it playing at a really high level. Bielema went 68-24. and And not only that, but in his last three seasons at Wisconsin, he helped the team win three consecutive Big Ten championships and go to three Rose Bowls. Obviously, he didn't coach in that last Rose Bowl because he left to become the head coach at Arkansas. I think where fans have struggled over the years is just kind of what happened after the fact. Um, Just I think there was certainly some bitterness on both sides um, when, when Brett left. And obviously with athletic director Barry Alvarez, who was the previous head coach and made Bielema the handpicked successor to take over as Badgers head coach Brett bemoaned the fact that he felt like assistant coaches at Wisconsin weren't paid what they should have been or what they were offered at other schools and when he went to Arkansas he said that he felt like he had a better chance to win a a championship because he was in the SEC and Alvarez and Bielma didn't talk for a couple of years they were extremely close when they were both here at Wisconsin things have thawed over the years um you know there have been some various I think contentious Twitter conversations as well. I know Brett's wife way back when tweeted the hashtag karma after Wisconsin. This is way before your time and probably a lot of, a lot of listeners, but in 2013, Wisconsin lost on a, a controversial last second play against Arizona state where there was an officiating blunder and, right. and very quickly uh, Brett's wife had tweeted hashtag karma. And uh, that didn't go over very well, I think with Badgers fans. And it took a long time, I think for them to sort of forgive and and move on Uh, from Brett's perspective. And I've talked to him about this. It's water under the bridge. He and Barry Alvarez have made peace and it's been a decade since he was here. So with time and a little bit more perspective, I think that some fans maybe can better appreciate what he accomplished. Um, Things happen and he's back, but he's with a different program. And now he's trying to knock Wisconsin uh, down a peg in the big 10 West. Yeah, you know, when he left Wisconsin, pro-style offense, run the ball, pass to the tight ends, it seems like Alvarez ran the system, then Brett ran the system, Gary Anderson modified it maybe a little bit, but Paul Chris is kind of running a very similar offense to what fans have been seeing for decades with the Wisconsin Badgers. What's kind of like your takes on this offensive performance from the Wisconsin Badgers? Like, do things need to change in Madison? And what kind of offense should fans expect to see this weekend? So at the end of last season, Paul Christ did make a pretty substantial change. Last season, he had a lot on his plate. He he took over as the quarterback's coach because the previous coach left for a different position. He was obviously the head coach. He was also calling the plays. Wisconsin's offense was not where it needed to be after last season. It was two straight seasons where they, they were subpar. And so he brought in a new offensive coordinator, Bobby Ingram, who had been a, an assistant coach with the Baltimore Ravens. And early this season, yeah, it looks a lot like it did before. There have been some subtle tweaks, I think, to try and open things up. But this is what Wisconsin does. These This is the Badgers' bread and butter since Barry Alvarez was hired in 1990. Is You're going to have a stout offensive line. You're going to run the ball. And you're going to try to sprinkle in some passes and have a sound defense. So you're going to see a lot of... Braylon Allen, um, he's the next superstar running back for the Badgers. And Wisconsin's defense has to bounce back from a very poor performance last weekend against Ohio State in which the Buckeyes scored 52 points. So, you know, if you have seen Wisconsin before, if you watched the 24-0 victory in Champaign last season, 
it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be more of the same, but this Illinois defense has improved in strides yeah. compared to last season with Ryan Walters. You know, I was looking at the Washington State stats. You know, Wisconsin ran the ball, but it did seem like the Cougars did a good job of limiting, like, the big, big play. So did that kind of force Graham Mertz to have to win it over the top against Washington State? So this was the big problem against Washington State is that the Badgers committed 11 penalties for 106 yards. That's extremely uncharacteristic of Wisconsin. It was the most penalties that the Badgers had committed in the game in, like, four four years. And five of those penalties were on the offensive linemen. They've been great on third down, but when you open a drive and it's all of a sudden first and 20, you're putting yourself in a really difficult spot. They weren't very good on special teams. They had too many missed tackles defensively. The touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown Washington State scored, a safety had a one-on-one with the running back in the flat and whiffed, and the running back went in for a 31-yard touchdown reception. So it wasn't, to me, it wasn't a Graham Mertz problem or a passing game problem. Of course, Wisconsin only wound up with 14 points, but the Badgers continually shot themselves in the foot in that game. And, and that's, I think, people are wondering what this team has in store the rest of the season. Is it going to be the version they saw against Washington State and Ohio State, or or can they be a little bit more consistent and be a Big Ten West contender? You know, like, what kind of playmakers on the outside do you think could step it up for this team? Like, who's the wide receiver? Who's the tight end? Who does Illinois fans have to look out for, you know, this Saturday? Well, from a tight end perspective, Wisconsin just lost its best, most versatile tight end, Clay Cundiff. He suffered uh, a broken leg against Ohio State. Um, So that's a significant blow for the Badgers' offense. You should see a lot of Hayden Rucci and Jack Eschenbach, who is a senior, kind of got – you put into a reserve role with Clay Cundiff moving up, but I think they've got some playmakers on the outside at wide receiver. This is perhaps one of the more talented wide receiver groups Wisconsin has had. It didn't really materialize against Ohio state, but certainly in the first three games, Graham Mertz had completed passes to 11 different receivers for specific names. Chimray DK is the veteran leader of the group. He's a junior. He's got the most experience. Skylar Bell is another wide receiver who emerged as a starter during the offseason. And then they've got two other guys that I think are worth mentioning. Marcus Allen, he's a big playmaker. He's from Ohio. He's a redshirt freshman. And Keontes Lewis is another guy. He transferred in over the offseason from UCLA. So those are the guys that I think you can expect to see trying to catch passes and create separation on the outside. So if Illinois, let's say they held Braylon Allen to, you know, 21 carries, 97 yards. Graham Mertz is like, do you trust that Graham Mertz can throw 250, 300 yards, you know, to pull the Badgers away from the Illinois team? I think if Wisconsin is going to win, it has to be complimentary football. Braylon Allen being held under 100 yards is not a great recipe for success for Wisconsin. The the Badgers do have a couple other tailbacks who can contribute. Ches Malusi, who is a Clemson transfer, and Isaac Arendo, who may be one of the fastest players on the team. But they've got to be able to consistently put Graham in good position on third down, have it be third and manageable. I think Graham is certainly capable of throwing for 200 plus yards. I'm not going to go, you know, 250, 300. He did throw for 251 yards a couple of weeks ago, but that was against New Mexico State, which is one of the worst teams in the FBS. I think it's notable, though, the improvement that he's made. Again, didn't necessarily show up against Ohio State consistently, but in the first three games, he eclipsed the 200 yard passing mark in each game. That's the first time he'd ever done that in three straight games. And you look back to last year, he only threw for 200 plus yards in three of 13 games. So he's much better. He's more consistent. He's fixed some mechanical issues that he had during the offseason. But it comes back again to the running game has to be able to help set up the pass.
So you look at the Ohio State game, that's an outlier. Like Ohio State is an NFL factory. They're a great team. Like that shouldn't have too much impact on this game. I don't know if I would say it won't have too. I, you know, here's the question is, and, and this is a cliche that you hear players say, is that you can't let one loss beat you twice. It wasn't so much that Wisconsin lost, and I, I wrote about this off the game, but it was the way in which the Badgers lost. They were never close. They were down 28 nothing before the offense even crossed midfield. So I don't know that you can just completely throw that away. On the other hand, that loss doesn't really take Wisconsin out of a, a chance to win the Big Ten West. This is the type of game Wisconsin generally wins, and it's the type of game that can get the Badgers rolling in a division that, to me, is wide open. Minnesota is the only team that has looked consistent from start to finish at this point. I think you look at the rest and it, it seems totally wide open. And that Minnesota game late in the season is at Camp Randall Stadium. So it, it's, a, it's a yes and no answer for me about Ohio State. You can't forget it, but you're right. That team is operating on an entirely different level. Yeah. So like, all right, defensively, like 52 points. That's not something you usually see from a Jim Leonard defense. Like you, we always hear like how Jim Leonard's going to be the next head coach, how they're going to fire Paul Christ. Like that seemed like crazy. Like I was shocked that they scored 52 points. You know, is this not the same kind of Wisconsin style of defense as previous years? Like, Well, I would start by saying I, there is certainly some conversation among fans who are frustrated with Paul Crist and where things stand right now. I'd be shocked if, you know, a move is made in, in the near future. Obviously what happens to the rest of this season uh, is very important to the future of of the coaching tenure and the program, but with Jim Leonard's defense, we talk to him every Tuesday. That's part of his defensive coordinator responsibilities. And what I admire about him is he is uh, honest. He's willing to be critical. And he had a lot of things to say about what didn't go right against Ohio state. Basically everything went wrong. He said like, that's, that's not how we play. It was nowhere close. The biggest issues that have popped up have been the, the lack of consistent communication. A lot of those guys got wide eyes because Ohio state was playing fast Defenders thought they saw a look and it wasn't what they saw. They didn't really trust their reads and they've been missing tackles. That was, as I mentioned, a big play against Washington state was a missed tackle. They had 11 missed tackles against Washington state. They had 12 missed tackles against Ohio state. So there are certainly some areas to clean up. And I think another point that's worth making here is we've just sort of come to assume that no matter who's playing defense in a Jim Leonard coach defense, Wisconsin is going to be dominant. You know, they lost eight starters off last season, and it's not always easy to plug and play. They're two starting inside linebackers combined to play, I think it was 82 snaps all of last season defensively. So I think that takes a little bit of time. I imagine with Leonard in charge, they're going to get it together here. But clearly what happened against Ohio State, nowhere near the level of execution or the expectation that Leonard has for his group. Did the up-tempo offense affect this Wisconsin team? Like, were they not getting up to the line of scrimmages fast? Was that confusing them? I don't know if it's so much up-tempo. They've played plenty of up-tempo teams right. over the last six-plus seasons under Leonard. Ohio State has the best players. They beat you with speed and space. Um, they had 12 plays of 10-plus yards in the first quarter. That's ridiculous. They they were on pace for 840 yards of total offense after the first quarter. So uh, I certainly I think the speed contributes to it, but you get your best players the ball, and they're going to make something happen. And C.J. Stroud is a Heisman Trophy frontrunner, so – it's all the things add up to make it extremely challenging. And not to mention you're on the road where it's extremely loud and there's a hundred thousand people that are rooting for you to fail. Yeah. No, it, it looked like Ohio state did a good job of like delayed routes, you know, the play action pass, like CJ would be rolling to the left and then there's a wide receiver running out, you know, into the post on the right side or, you know, a tight end delayed route into the end zone. Like, do you think Wisconsin was reading maybe the coverages wrong? I mean, reading the routes wrong. 
Well, I, you know, obviously I wasn't in the meeting rooms and can't speak to exactly what it is that they were looking for, but I do think it's notable that, you know, they played some zone coverage and dudes were just wide open. And Paul Christ even said after the game, even when they went, man, there were people that were wide open for whatever reason, there were guys on defense who were just so far back off their man. I don't know if that was just being anxious or I think it goes back to the coaches put them in position to succeed and the players didn't execute. Like maybe they thought they were seeing one thing and that's not how it happened, or they were extremely tentative because you don't want to get beat. I think it was just a bunch of different factors that led to a terrible result for Wisconsin. And I'll say, I, I don't think you're going to see a performance like that again from Wisconsin the rest of the way. I really believe that the Badgers are going to put themselves in position to win the West. I'm not saying they're going to win the West, but I just think it's totally wide open. You can't say that there's a team in this division outside of Minnesota that would scare you. No. And, you know, there's precedent for looking at Ohio State games in Wisconsin. I mean, 2019, you know, Buckeyes win 38 to 7. Wisconsin runs the table the rest of the regular season, you know, and wins the West Division. But Vegas, you know, the line is moving towards Illinois. It opened up at, I think, nine and a half or nine. Now it's down to seven points. How do you feel about that? Like, you know, if you had to pick a spread, what are you taking? You think Badgers are going to cover this Saturday? Uh, I don't know if I'm one to give gambling advice. I think Wisconsin is going to win this game. I think if the Badgers don't, then the sky is going to be falling in Madison because not only would you lose to Brett Bielema, who used to coach at Wisconsin, but you're essentially showing that you're slipping behind teams in the Big Ten West that you have dominated, not just for a year or two, but for decades outside of the upset that happened a couple of years ago, obviously, in Champaign. Um, I think Wisconsin is going to win this game. I think they're going to be prepared. I know that obviously was, uh, Illinois' running back Chase Brown is outstanding. I think the defense is going to be ready for him. I know that Illinois has a, a better passing attack. They can complement each other uh, a lot better. I just think that this is a group that's going to respond because, as you said, that that's another point of emphasis. Wisconsin has started off pretty poorly in a lot of seasons. Even last year, the Badgers opened one and three. Well, they won, I think it was six straight games to put themselves in position to win the West until they lost at Minnesota. So they've been here before, they've done it before, and I, I just think that they're going to come out strong on Saturday. So they come out strong, they're prepared, but like why X's and O's? Like, do you think that they're going to overcome Illinois? Like, do you think the running game might just be too much for Illinois? Or, you know, what aspect of the game makes you confident that the Badgers are going to pull away? I think the defense is going to be ready to the challenge. Um, you know, they they lost to Washington State. They gave up 17 points. That's usually good enough to win. They shut out an FCS team in the opener. They gave up seven points with their second and third stringers in late against New Mexico State. I think this defense is still very good, even if it isn't necessarily elite. And I just think the offense is going to get it together. You know, what happens against Ohio State, that's not what happens against a lot of other teams. Braylon Allen is going to have a really good game. And, um he, like he usually does. And I think Graham will make smart decisions. That's one of the things that he's done a lot better this year is he's been a better decision maker. So it's not necessarily one thing. That's not how Wisconsin wins in a lot of these games. It's the fact that they're able to complement each other very well. And that's what I would expect to happen again on Saturday. Yeah, I would just say, um, I think Illinois is going to cover. I'm not sure if they're going to win straight up. But, it, you know, the passing game for Illinois, it hasn't been completely proven. Like Pat Bryant's getting better. Isaiah Williams is getting better. But is that passing attack up to par? Like, if they stop Chase Brown, is Tommy DeVito really going to throw 280 yards, 300 yards? And, you know, I don't know. We haven't seen it. I mean, Chattanooga is probably not, you know, the best test for Illinois. I would not expect that to be the case against yeah. this Wisconsin defense. They've, I think they're, 
probably disappointed that they've gotten pressures on quarterbacks, but not enough sacks. They've got 51 pressures this year and seven sacks. And I, I think one thing that's also worth noting is Nick Herbig is the team's best pass rusher. He's an outside linebacker and teams have done a decent job of trying to take him away. I think this is a game where Wisconsin can can start to impose its will a little bit more defensively. And if you're asking a quarterback to do something that he hasn't shown himself able to do to this point, I don't think it's going to happen at Camp Randall Stadium in front of 80,000 fans with a defense that is pissed off and wants to show that what happened against Ohio State is not going to happen again. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what, Jesse, thank you so much for this analysis. It's going to be a good game. I mean, this is a Big Ten style of game. I mean, it's yeah. going back up to, you know, Madison, two smash mouth teams usually. I mean, I'm excited for the game. I'm going up as a fan and uh, enjoy. I mean, it's going to be a good time. Thanks for having me on. All right. Awesome. Well, that's going to do it for the Daily Illini podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, Wisconsin, Illinois. Love